Hey, what's up, listeners? Untold Culture back with Lights of Burn, Captain Cortez today. Straight after the PlayStation 5 reveal, my gosh, the showcase was unbelievable. I was having such a hard time containing my excitement for software that I didn't realize I had a passion for. With rumors and circulations that go across social media, people have this expectation of, um, let's take Final Fantasy 16 for example. There was a lot of articles around the internet. Basically, people were just like, oh yeah, Square Enix, they're tipping off to showcase Final Fantasy 16 PlayStation Showcase. What we saw was a complete different reaction to what we were expecting. Obviously, with Final Fantasy 15, there was a big reaction when they did the Final Fantasy 15 Uncovered event in 2016, where they announced all their franchise spin-offs for um, the Final Fantasy 15 universe. So when Final Fantasy 16 was showcased, I genuinely thought that, that Final Fantasy 14 was going to have its own single-player campaign game, you know. And I honestly wasn't expecting this social media uh fans to just go wow i can't believe this final fantasy game is one of the games that we are probably going to have to miss out on and the way it started with the event my gosh there was no way no one out there was freaking out but the reactions afterwards tells a different story so i'm quite interested to see what square enix is, is going to be doing because i don't want them to do another final fantasy versus 13 and completely change the development because things weren't going the right way I really don't want that to happen, but I do want the game to do well, so only time will tell. As always, I'm Light Sabir, one of your main hosts for Untold Culture, a laid-back podcast for video games where we talk video game consoles, software, and all types of events that happen in the world. And on occasion, we might even tell a tale or two that happened in our past, when we were around video game scene. Because nowadays, you don't really get that, do you? The pandemic has absolutely shattered everyone's ability to just go and have fun and the only way we can have fun through video games is when we were able to see cool live showcases that studios and publishers were able to do and a part of that that feeling disappeared when e3 announced that they're canceling e3 jeff Keighley announced that gamescom wasn't going to be happening but they were going to try and do something which eventually turned into the Gamescom opening night live showcase. Oh, what a tongue word. Wow. Um, but all in all, that feeling of being at an event. I know many of you have dreamt of going to E3 and maybe even the local conventions you've tried to go to. Here in the UK, we have EGX and EGX Rest. If you've been to one of those two conventions, you'll feel the atmosphere of how video game life works and how it's so fun to just be around people who enjoy video games. And we haven't had that for a long time. And I hope that, that it doesn't continue. And hopefully we can go back to a stage where PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X are going to have showcases across the world where they can actually demo the console. They can actually they can actually move on and just advertise it in the best way that they know. And we're going to be talking about that in today's episode, strictly about the PlayStation Showcase. My guest today, Captain Cortez, he is an avid Dark Souls fan. I'm going to be talking about Demon's Souls as well and how different it looks to the PS3. So, ladies and gentlemen, listeners of Untold Culture, let's dive straight into the PlayStation 5 Showcase. Nick, where do we begin? Hardware, right? Uh, yeah, let's go straight into hardware. So, the PlayStation 5 has two different versions. This is different compared to the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 3. This is bold because... Xbox, I see them doing it, okay? But PlayStation, because they're such an Eastern company that focuses on, you know, having the quality of video games, I guess their market research over the last few years has pointed into the direction of they can actually give us a choice between disc and digital. Because back when 2013, when we were getting the Xbox One with the, with the DRM and, you know, the, the you can't trade games... There was a big backlash and now we have a console where there is absolutely no disk drive for the first time for a playstation console as well but the fact that you have to now buy your games digitally you don't technically own them forever because they're a digital license so if the digital world switched off yada 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 you know but the fact that there's two consoles surprises me nick what do you think of of sony's approach to having a disc version 
that everyone is basically comfortable with and used to but now that they have a digital version specially catered for fans who only want to play their games digitally i actually think both have their benefits um and both <laughs> well they've got their pros and their cons so pros would be for anyone who prefers this base console uh well they've got it they've got it as, as an option sure it's like practically 100 pounds more than the uh, digital version but for those of us who prefer physical copies and like to have something in our hands you know it's, it's perfect and then got the digital version only that's great for people who let's say don't have enough space to store all of these end cases they just buy all their games digitally and you know it's the cheapest option of the two but what i find really good about the two is that the uh, digital version although it's that much cheaper it's exactly the same console it's just not got a disc tray and uh i know like microsoft were doing something a little bit different a bit similar but a bit different at the same time like the similar thing is yeah they've got different versions but i think was it the s it was i, I believe it's the s not the x I believe the x Series is the more powerful Series one S, yeah Yes, so Series S is a heck of a lot cheaper and people were coming to me saying, oh yeah, well, you know, Microsoft have clearly won because PlayStation's console, the cheapest one, is still that much more expensive. And I'm like, yeah, but they're not sacrificing performance. It's exactly the same machine. Just one's got a disc tray and one doesn't. Whereas the Series S is a fair bit less powerful than the Series X. So I'm like, well, you know, I think at this point... Sony fans are going to be happy either way. I don't think Xbox's approach has actually changed anything. And if anything, the way Sony are going about things, I think initially I thought it was like a bit of a push to go digital only, but there is no way, like I would say not even half of the gamers are happy with doing that. What they're actually doing instead is just kind of covering all ground, catering to the people that want digital only games and you know the console. And also catering towards people who just love physical copies. Like, I know I like physical copies because I love the collector's editions of any game I buy. Normally, Final Fantasy. They normally have amazing collector's editions. But yeah, so I mean, I'd say the only real negative is the price difference between the two because I don't really think 90 quid is justifiable just for a disc tray being a difference between the two. I feel they could have probably done it for, you know... 50 quid extra i think that would have been fair maybe even a little bit less i'm surprised that both consoles are exactly the same i mean they 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 look the same they might weigh the same they might play the same way the only thing lacking or missing is the, the disc drive so essentially do you think that 360 there's a 90 pound difference and all we're paying for is a disc drive so do you think 360 is a good price point for a next generation console? Because if you think about it, the Xbox Series S doesn't play true 4K. It plays upscaled 4K up to 120 frames per second. It's not, it's not, you wouldn't say it's the next generation console. It's 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 in the middle between the eighth generation and the ninth generation consoles that we're leading up to, right, Nick? Yeah, so Series S is pretty much like a hybrid console, whereas you know, PS5, I think, to be fair to Sony, their price point is way lower than what I was expecting, and it's a welcome price. Like, you know, how much the digital version is, that's super cheap in comparison to what I thought it was going to be, considering, you know, development costs and everything like that now. Um, even the disc tray version, so like the disc version, which you call it, even that was cheaper than what I thought. I was expecting a price somewhere around 500, maybe 550, just because of how much tech was going to be in this and involved with it. Um, so yeah, they've they've made things a heck of a lot cheaper, and I think it's pretty clear that a lot of gamers are happy with that. I'm not a huge fan of the white. Become coming from a PlayStation background family of just black consoles, I know the PlayStation One was great, but when they decided to just go black. I mean, it did, did release different colored versions of their consoles, extending way past to the PlayStation 3. PlayStation 4 hasn't had a colored console. They've had special edition 
consoles, but they're branded with game franchises. We haven't actually had a PlayStation 4 console that was color branded and sold, not to my knowledge. You wouldn't class the 500 million console as a color because it's a special edition. I'm talking the PlayStation 4, same price as a black one, but sold in a different color. So I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the white, but it does look sleek. It looks appealing. I like the controller design. I like the way the controller looks ergonomically, the way it's it's future-proof. It doesn't look like something the kids on YouTube will make up, like a boomerang controller when they were theoretically speaking about what the PS3 <laughs> would look like. Um, this 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 approach to, to how they're making it a bit beefier and chunkier is going to fit with a lot of people. I, for one, love a chunky console controller when you're playing FPS shooters because you feel like the controller adapts to your hands and you move with the controller with your imp your, your, your responses. And I, 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 I appreciate that Sony is sticking with a touchpad in the middle. I, I thought they would scrap that, but turns out they're sticking with it. I don't think the touchpad actually works in my opinion. It's, it's, it's useful for educational purposes, but it doesn't feel like it's a, uh, it's, it's an in integral part of, of any game you would play it's great as a feature but i guess people enjoy it on top of that the actual design of the black and the white in between i mean there are a lot of people on on on, on twitter posting memes about this the same with the series x but you know that's a completely different ball game to what this playstation 5 wi-fi modem looks like <laughs> nick have you seen any memes on the internet about the playstation 5 looking like a virgin media router yeah, I've seen quite a few actually. And uh, also, just to slightly comment on what you said earlier, I also love the controller. I think it looks amazing. I don't, however, like the look of the console that much. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait a while until a special edition version comes out. Again, like the, the game-branded consoles of the past that the PS4 has had. I'm going to wait for one of those to release for PS5. And hopefully we'll get a Final Fantasy 16 one first. Because, uh, not going to lie, I actually really, really love the game-branded consoles, and the PS4 console that I've got is the Metal Gear Solid 5 version, so it's like red, black, and gold, and it looks really, really nice. So Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, so I, I just love it when they put, like, let's just call it custom skins on the console itself. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do, but... As it stands, console's a little bit too chunky for me, looks-wise. You know, I'm not going to be staring at that all the time. I'm going to be staring at my TV instead, playing the games on it. So it's not too much of a problem. But I just yeah. kind of want to want to wait for uh, you know a, a real nice version to come out. And who knows? Maybe we will have even cooler controllers come out again. How do you customize this console? Uh, it's it's to me when I'm looking at it, it, it has three parts to it. It has the um, the main model focus, which is the black middle part, the, 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 yep. the, you can call it more of a headband if you think about it. But then you've got the two sides that 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 trap the middle section, the two white pl uh, plates. I, I, they look like they're filled with PlayStation. They look like they're filled with PlayStation symbols. Uh, somebody had to dive into, and I think that's made out of foam. So the, so the top and bottom could be dustproof if it's foamed. And then with the air uh, ventilation system that Sony has around those arches at the top of the bottom, good for a lot of gamers who have had stress in the past with the PlayStation 4 console, obviously with the dust picking up. And yeah. I want consoles to stick to this format where aircon, you know, you know, um, all the in all the specs inside don't get to a point where it starts to sound like a jet engine. Come on, guys. <laughs> Oh, I, I, I to, to this day, my PlayStation 4 Pro, original 2016 day one version, I upgraded because, get this, my PlayStation 4 was sounding like a jet engine. That's why I upgraded to the Pro. Not because it was it was going to play games in, 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 you know, better resolutions of 4K or stuff like that, but I bought it because my PlayStation 4, it was waking up my neighbors. So I'm still on the normal one because uh, I don't believe the Metal Gear Solid, Solid 5 version came out in, a, in Pro. And uh, occasionally, like, I'll be trying to sleep at night and it just obviously turns on to update. But again, sometimes it still sounds like a jet engine when it's updating. And uh, when I'm playing games, Ghost of Tsushima is pretty much the worst. Like, it just makes the console go, <laughs> just permanently. It doesn't need to be that loud. So I agree. Like, 
when the PS5 is out, if it sounds, well, if it sounds silent, so it has no sound, um, I would be very happy. <laughs> Maybe wishful thinking. How long do you give it until they announce a slim version? It took, it took the PlayStation 4 how many years to get... I'm, I'm sure they announced the Slim in 2015. Is it three? Two or three, three years? Three years, yeah. So how long do you think you'd, you'd give Sony to announce a new Slim console? I reckon I reckon about two years would make sense. Yeah. Then they're kind of like, they've already made the money from the first batch for two years, for the original console. And then it's like, maybe people want to... It's not even really downgrading. Maybe for whatever reason, they just want a smaller console to take up less space then they've already purchased the original one, probably sold it on to someone else and then rebought a slim version. So they can make up their money. It's just, it just wouldn't make sense to do it straight away as soon as the game releases or console releases, sorry. And uh, the size of it is absolutely monstrous. Apparently it's gonna, gonna, you're gonna see it. That's all I'm saying. You, you think the PlayStation 4 Slim is small and, and it just sits under your telly and the PS4 Pro, even though it looks like a back Big Mac, uh, it's, <laughs> it's it's still relatively hidden and camouflaged because it's just so pure, deep black. It just sits in your entertainment area. But the, this yeah. monstrous white modem router is going to look like a just. You're going to see it as soon as you walk in. You're going to be like, oh wow, that's uh, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, was it like touchpad as well? Just talking about the uh, control. Well, just a little way back. I just find it funny because the. Uh, the t- touchpad it has some uses but the main use that i use the touchpad for is just to plug it into my laptop and just <laughs> scroll scroll around that's it like you know like basically using it like a mouse cursor and uh the controller is going to be what 70 pound and uh 70 dollars and 70 euros i think respectively but the console price is going to be a little bit different when it comes to the US and the UK. Even though they're sort of closely matched, they're always always going to be different. The 499 physical edition is in US dollars for everyone in the United States. Luckily for them, it's relatively affordable for us. Oh my god, 449 is still so expensive for a console these days. Even though building a PC costs you around about the same, even though less we are talking about a 4K, 8K ready machine that games up to 120 frames per second, even though 8K hasn't become a real thing in households yet. I'm saying yeah. all of our households. I'm saying the modern consumer. Even though 8K televisions do exist, they don't actually exist if you think about it. The digital version, however, the one without the disk drive, you're forgetting, will cost 399 USD and 349 pounds. Relatively cheaper but essentially a little bit cheaper when it comes to the fact that you don't have a disk drive. The pre-orders were a clusterfuck, Nick. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I, remember, so. I remember they were saying, we will give you ample time. We will give you enough time to sit down, have a coffee, have a, have a pee break, <laughs> you know, watch a couple of Netflix binges, but then be in time to actually pre-order one because we'll tell you, we will physically tell our fan base, our consumer base, that pre-orders will go live on this exact date and time however i think sony got a little bit excited and went eee, this is so cool let's announce that we'll pre-orders are going live straight away <laughs> oh what a clusterfuck nick yeah and they realized completely that they messed up to be fair to them they did come out and say it straight away but it wasn't really something they could hide from because it has already happened <laughs> oh, so yeah i, th- just I think i think playstation will, will always do that However, however, yeah. however long this argument will continue about oh Sony, you should never do that again. They will always do that. They will, they will, they will never cease to surprise <laughs> the gaming <laughs> fan base. But software, software is gonna be, it's gonna be a little bit different this time. They're going up by ten dollars and ten pounds. Obviously, with the production mm. cost that I said in the previous episodes, you can go back and listen to all our previous Untold Culture episodes where we speak about the Xbox Series X versus the PlayStation Five art in video games and obviously all our tells in video games but with software becoming such an increasing production cost they they obviously the prices are going to increase and you can hear all about that in our previous episode final fantasy 16 i freaked out when i first saw it <laughs> because 
it's been so long since we last saw Final Fantasy come on our, our TV screen when we're watching a, a, a reveal or showcase, like, you know, E3. When Final Fantasy versus 13 changed into 15 in 2013, um, you know, we, we freaked out and we were commu- communicating about what Square Enix was going to be doing. Uh, and, and the conversation led to this ongoing change in Square Enix's business divisions when it came to Final Fantasy 15. So 16, this this special game, this Final Fantasy 16 Awakening, it reminds me a lot of Final Fantasy. This could this could have been if if they if they said, okay, there's no 16, we're just gonna call this game Final Fantasy. I think they could get away with how this game looks. The fact that you have four heroes, always a commodity in Final Fantasy games, but the fact that this game is set during the times when you used to play the original Final Fantasy games and the themes, the costumes, everything just feels classic. And I I, I love Square Enix's approach to what they're doing. I cannot wait to see what else they've got in store. I'm not a huge fan of the combat because we need to we need to evolve from the Final Fantasy 15 combat set system. We we need to we need to I think we need to learn from Tetsuya's um style of you can mix between active combat and, and and classic mode give us that option but but nick i mean you've played you you dabbled in final fantasy um so yeah i've got a few opinions on final fantasy 16 um a little bit of information that i don't know if you knew uh, i can't recall his name but one of the people who worked on devil may cry supposedly has been working on the combat engine for final fantasy 16 and that kind of if it's true makes me a little bit happier because i don't think that was the case with final fantasy 15 and the combat in 15 for some reason as flashy as it looked it felt too automated like i didn't really feel it was that fun and i felt i could bar mash didn't take any skill and in fact during the whole entire campaign of final fantasy 15 i didn't get a game over screen even when i was doing some of the supposedly harder uh, like optional dungeons in it, I did not once get a game over screen. So it was too easy. I didn't like it. The only thing I liked about 15 was the um, like the camaraderie when they were on the road trip, but the overarching story was ants. Like the, the, the characters being killed off screen that you would have thought you would fight as bosses throughout the game. That sucked as well. But anyway, yeah. But, you know, moving away from that... 16, I mentioned 15 because 16 looks like it's built technically on the engine of 15. Um, and while, you know, that's not entirely a bad thing for me, it, I, I don't like that. I'm hoping the combat is different in 16. And also the setting being a lot more kind of medieval. It reminds me a lot of the Evilly setting, which two games i can think of in particular i know there's another one as well like final fantasy tactics i think it was tactics and tactics advance both set in evil east don't quote me on that because i've not played them i just believe they are i think i read it somewhere um but what i have played final fantasy 12 and vagrant story and they are both set in evil east i would love to see a remake of vagrant story i think that'd be great but 16 reminds me way more of vagrant story than it does of 12 so i'm actually quite happy with how it looks um i know there's a lot of hate going around i don't know if you've seen any of it right but basically uh <laughs> with how good final fantasy 7 remakes looks a lot of the fan base is saying oh 16 looks trash it's awful why can't it look as good as 7 i'm like it's a completely different game it's a different setting it's a different style yeah it's on ps5 whereas 7 remake is a ps4 game but you gotta remember it's early ps5 and the transitions between consoles like ps3 to ps4 late ps3 into early ps4 there's not a huge amount of difference in appearance and i think that's going to be the same here but also just because the graphics aren't quite as refined from what we've seen so far of 16 compared to 7 remake doesn't mean that when we get the final product it's not going to look as good if not better but it doesn't even need to like i, I strongly believe we've hit a point in gaming now where games don't need to look any better but it's nice when they do like i'm still happy with cell shaded graphics or just any kind of stylized visuals that the developer goes for um yeah i just think, think it's great and i think we've got a lot to look forward to with 16 
Yes, so let's lead straight into Miles Morales. Like, I love Spider-Man, and I'm really looking forward to the Miles Morales game. And have you seen his abilities? All of these crazy yellow lightning powers, he knocks everyone up in the air, is flicking to and fro, slamming them back down to the ground. He looks a lot more brutal than Peter Parker of the last game. And also, he looks a lot more stylish and a lot more edgy. And I strongly believe that a lot of the younger crowd are really going to get on board with him. And the production value is amazing. Did you see when he was stitching the bridge together? Just looks incredible. Yeah, I like that little homage to Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, yeah, it's amazing. The, the, the game itself, it speaks volumes when it comes to the, the technical, graphical, physical and art design of Insomniac as, as a studio. I think this is a perfect time for Spider-Man the IP, the video game, because because we've had so many different iterations of Spider-Man in the past, this iconic version that Insomniac has made, it's a perfect time for the PlayStation 5 to encapsulate. We, we play games to escape and to pretend we are these superhero characters or these amazing characters or villains sometimes. And the fact that there is this unimaginable unimaginable game like spider-man such a huge huge game that 20 years ago you were never expected to dive into and now we have the entire world of spider-man created in a video game for you to just get lost in and play and enjoy and watch as everything moves around you one it is an absolute perfect opportunity for sam Raimi fans to just come on and enjoy spider-man as spider-man Two, for new gamers who have never experienced video games before, the ability to come on and just play as a superhero and fly across New York City. And three, the fact that PlayStation have trust in Insomniac. As much as I I love the Ratchet and Clank series, there's a part of me that says Ratchet and Clank doesn't have a budget compared to obviously Square Enix's Final Fantasy, of course. But this Spider-Man game, to me, feels like it's on par with a full production budget of Final Fantasy games. Yeah, I mean, it looks amazing. Um, I guess another thing that I would really like to see, I don't think it will happen in the Miles Morales game, but I would love to see a Spider-Man game that has both Venom and Carnage in it. And I think a lot of fans would love that too. But yeah, I mean, you know, for, for kids that are just jumping into it, I mean, I don't know what the age rating is going to be just yet, but I'd imagine it's fairly family-friendly. Because um, I don't recall there being any blood in any Spider-Man game. However, um, I think, yeah, for kids, like, jumping in, if Spider-Man's their favourite hero, it's just going to be amazing because it's putting them in Miles Morales' shoes. They're going to be flying around the city, like you say. I mean, have you seen the close-ups of Miles Morales' hair? Like, the textures and also the modeling in this is insane. They've done, like, the individual curls, like, so small. His afro, it just, it's amazing. Like, the, the details they've gone into it. And even the puddles, like, puddles for a long time are pretty hard to, to make look decent in gaming. But they've done an amazing job of that as well. And, yeah, I just think everything about this Miles Morales game is just so refined. Like, not just visually, but also from a gameplay, sorry, gameplay perspective. Um, it's just, it just looks like everything has been tweaked pretty much to perfection. So what we saw in the last Spider-Man game, just with Peter Parker, obviously Miles Morales did cameo in it a little bit, is uh, it, it redefined Spider-Man games in general. Yeah. This one seems to have taken everything that that one did and improved upon it. Yeah. And I think it's only going to go up from here. 100%. Um, I, th I hope they continue to make games, Insomniac for the Spider-Man IP, and I hope they continue to tell many different stories. I hope one day they can they can integrate a Marvel cinematic game universe uh, of different characters and have... That would be amazing. I, I know it's, it's hard when it comes to publisher rights and everything, but imagine if we had a game where you can interlink Guardians of the Galaxy... A, a full open world guardians game and and an open world thor game or an open world you know black panther game rest in peace chad yeah. boseman but the complete opposite spectrum of this is, is obviously spider-man is more family friendly even though peggy rated 16 for the original one i believe 
or it could have been 12. I'm sure it was 16. The complete opposite end of that spectrum is when... Um, let me take you down memory lane for a second, listeners. In 2016, uh, we we weren't expecting this. I I certainly weren't expecting this. I think I think Nick was expecting this. Nick had, I, I believe, he might have had a hunch, but when it did happen, I think Nick completely freaked out as well. I I freaked out. the 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 internet freaked out um, because when this trailer was playing, nobody could pretty much tell exactly what was happening. It was just this random carnage of like this engine that we were looking at was so different and so good that we were like is this a new studio is this a new publisher and then when the resident evil 7 uh title dropped and 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 then capcom announced the the resident evil 7 game the whole internet exploded because they weren't expecting capcom to make a comeback like this and the the, the way that they've, they've they've taken this bold move of yeah okay you know what we're not going to be doing we're not going to be doing what we did with Resident Evil 5 and 6. We want to we want to build upon that and we want to make it incredibly incredibly frustrating and incredibly cool. <laughs> and this 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 method of first person survival horror, this beautiful game Resident Evil 7, even though it got a bit complicated towards the end and so weird, the game mechanics is always true to Resident Evil, but the game itself visually it told another story and now we have this expectation because Capcom has done so well with Devil May Cry 5 um, and Monster Hunter, you know, on the Nintendo consoles. Uh, we, we have this expectation from Capcom that, yes, we know they're going to give it their all because they've completely changed their direction of how our studio and publisher they've become. And when we saw, when, when they dropped the Resident Evil Village trailer on this PlayStation Showcase, I, I once again... I was like, how far can you push the envelope of horror games? And I was, I was, I, I applauded the, the trailer at the end. This is the closest thing you will have to playing a Forbidden Siren next gen port. Doesn't matter if the game doesn't look like Forbidden Siren, it has all the elements and themes of a, of, of a Forbidden Siren game. It was so good. It, it had, it wasn't even telling me exactly what was happening, but it was mimicking. All these different experiences from film that we watched from how the Blair Witch came out. It's like living your own Blair Witch experience. It's like it's like Outlast, but with a dialer turned up to 100. The, my God, this game, if it becomes playable in VR, I don't think I'm going to live through it, Nick. I, I, <laughs> I'm yeah, just, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's... It's great. I mean, seven. I I put off buying seven for a long time. It wasn't necessarily because I wasn't interested in it. It was more I wanted VR before I played it. And then because it never got support on PC, I thought, well, there's no point in me getting VR just for one game on PS4. So in the end, I didn't go to the VR experience. I just bought the game. I got it pretty cheap. It was like seven ninety nine on PC. That was, I think, the gold edition. And uh, yeah, it came with all the DLC and I played it and I loved it. It's an amazing game. And although it's a very different style to, like you said, typical Resident Evil, like Resident Evil 5, Resident Evil 4, um, not mentioning 6 really because that was... 6 was awful. a good game. Come uh, on. <laughs> no way. 6, six no was way. a good game. I enjoyed, the co- I enjoyed the game physics. That's all I'm saying. The gameplay felt like a video game. It was very fun to play. That's all I'm going to say. It's the only game that I refuse to complete you fully. I think I went through Leon's campaign, through Chris's campaign, and I didn't mind Chris's campaign, but Leon's was pretty poor. Uh, Jake's was really bad, and it just wasn't good to me at all. Um, especially when, like, you know, 5 was just before it. 5, by the way is the best multiplayer Resident Evil experience I've ever had. Amazing game on multiplayer. Not too bad even on single player, but 4 really, really takes the biscuit. Uh, like, yeah, Well, it takes the crown, that's what I'm trying to say. So 4 is the most amazing single player game that I've played. I know, you know there's going to be purists that like the original games as well, and I do too. But 4 took it to a brand new level and just completely reinvented the genre. And... Uh, I think they've kind of taken a leaf out of Force book with like remakes of Resident Evil 2 and 3. And they're both really, really good games. Obviously, 3 has a few more issues than 2. 2 is the better remake. 
they're both great games and uh yeah so anyway going to seven complete different like feeling but it was still horror and the first person perspective like gave it a completely new feel and one i think was welcome like i'm happy to see more remakes i'm happy to see more games in the style of like remake 2 resident evil 4 even 5 with like co-ops co-op can be really good um but yeah i think leading into 8 i'm happy to see chris return like boulder punching chris he looks pretty jacked up and he looks like the chris i remember one thing one issue i had with seven was when chris turns up at the end spoilers i know but it's been out for a while um (laughs) he didn't look anything like chris it just looked like landy mcglanderson i'm a soldier i've come to rescue you hi my name's chris by the way complete rubbish so it's nice in village re8 that we have boulder punch and chris back so it kind of feels like it's got the familiarity of five mixed in with this kind of new seven style and that's what we've got with eight and it looks like we've got all kinds of things going on like real brothers grim fairy tale stuff got what looked like vampires those creepy women in the first trailer that we saw um you got the freaking like giant jacked up muscular monster with like an, an axe or a hammer i need to rewatch it but either way it reminded me of something from resident evil 5 uh and then you've got like what looks like witches coven things going on like even uh even like a werewolf dude and i don't know for sure but could it be chris that's the werewolf maybe something bad happened to hunch. him i have a hunch patro- that, go for um... it I, 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 there's a part of me that says this game is looking a lot like Resident Evil 4 with, 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 um, you know, the Los Illuminados crew. Yeah, I love that game. And the yeah, fact so. that, um, to me, I feel like Leon could make a return and there's going to be this final. I, I, I need Capcom I would love to for just, Leon to return. I need them to do a final send off for these characters. Just close them off officially in a book where we know for sure they're never coming back. This could be the final title. With Leon and Chris's story, I, for me, story-wise, I want Leon to come back and stop Chris from whatever this is happening. But because we're the character Ethan, we're viewing it from our vo- point of view. So we're, we 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 interact with both characters through our journey. We don't really know who they are. The player's perspective, Ethan has no idea who Leon is and no idea who Chris is. But by the end of the game, we, I want Capcom to be able to reflect. On, on all their Leon and Chris titles and by the end of Resident Evil 8 have some knowledge of what type of character Leon was and what type of character Chris was and then close off this biohazard story for Chris and Leon because it, it, it's getting ridiculous with the amount of world saving <laughs> that they had to do <laughs> so make it yeah. make it a pure survival horror make it an emotional battle between Chris and Leon make it make it as punishing as you can for Leon. Make it as punishing as you can for Chris. And obviously, we know deep down how punishing it's going to be for us, Ethan, the character. But yeah, that's 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 my opinion. That's what I want Resident Evil Village to be like. I know there's going to be a completely mind-twisting story going to be unfolding in that game. But... Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of like, just to cut in there quick, I am uh, on the opposite end, it, to a degree. I... I think it's fine if Chris is no longer in a Resident Evil game. Like, if if this closes his story and they do it in a really good way, much like they've kind of done with Dante and Virgil in Devil May Cry 5, which we can get into in a bit, um, I think that would be fine. Just give him a proper send-off, one that he deserves. Leon, I'm not too sure yet. There could still be a little bit more to do with him. Uh, Ethan definitely knows who Chris is because at the end of Resident Evil 7... I believe <laughs> Chris came down right in front of him to save him. So he knows. And uh, in the trailer, there's a bit of a reaction where... Do you, like, do you think he'll remember, though? I don't know, because I'm not too sure entirely what's going on. I think he'll know who he is, but he will still be left in the dark with what's actually yeah. going on. So if you remember yeah. in the in the first trailer, he's kind of looking at Chris... And he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And Chris literally shoots what looks like Ethan's girlfriend in the head. Um... Is Chris bad? Is he this werewolf 
character? Is it a clone of Chris? Has he been brainwashed? Is it normal Chris brainwashed? Who knows? There's going to be some explanation as to why Chris is doing what he's doing. Uh, but it is from Ethan's perspective from what we can see so far. So it's going to be a bit of a mystery. Um, but yeah, so I'm a bit, I'm a bit all over the place really in my thoughts with who should stay in the game. Should Ethan take over fully? I'm not too sure because I don't feel he's as solid as a character as any of the rest of the cast. That's not to say eight can't turn him into that. Eight might make him into a legendary character, for all I know. Love Me Cry 5 was, uh, I had quite a funny reaction to that because as soon as I literally saw the puddle on the floor, I was like, it's Devil May Cry 5. I just remember from that level, I think it was like level, level two, I think it was, where that area is. Just like, for some reason, that puddle and the lighting in that level always stuck out. So as soon as I saw that puddle, I was like, oh my god, Devil May Cry 5. I was like, all right, I'm not going to get too hyped. already played the game, loved it, by the way. But I went Devil May Cry 5, and then literally a split second, like, pause. I was like, special edition, question mark? And then, yeah, it was special edition. The whole trailer was about Virgil. Virgil has always been fun to play. Like, he was fun to play in 4, he was super fun to play in 3. And with how good the system is in 5, I can't wait to play him. But it looks amazing, and his style is so stylish. Uh, how many times can I use style in the same sentence? Style, stylish, whatever. SSS, <laughs> <But, laughs> isn't it? Yeah, just S, super sweet, stylish, sick, amazing, whatever. But yeah, going down the ranks then, A, amazing, B. Orion <laughs> or balling <laughs> but uh, yeah I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it he's just his moves are so slick they're so fast they're so flashy it's just it's gonna give fans another reason to run through the entire game provided they allow us to play every single level solely as Virgil which is possible but at the same time I kind of feel like V was the weakest point of Devil May Cry 5. I didn't like playing as him. He was clunky. He was awkward. He was the least fun character to play as. So now we've got proper Virgil in it. And Virgil is just going to be a blast for everyone. I've uh, yet to play Devil May Cry 5 myself. So this special edition version uh, playing at 4K 120 frames per second. Um, I'm going to enjoy it. I think from a visually graphical point It's a good point to jump in. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I I really enjoyed 4 and I I enjoyed Devil May Cry. DMC Devil May Cry as much as I still listen to the noisy soundtrack that they created especially for Devil May Cry DMC um, yeah I, I, I'm, I don't have really much opinion on the game I want to play it for the first time I'm trying to avoid as much as it comes to Devil May Cry 5 because I, I, I tend to play Devil May Cry games randomly when I know nothing about them and then the reason I get so hooked into them is because the story is so great the combat is so great and the level designs and the, and the, the platforming is to me it's, it's so good but just moving on to another adventure combat game, Demon's Souls, the 2009 original version that's getting remade for the PlayStation 5. Nick is a huge fan of Demon's Souls or Dark Souls games when it comes to that type of level design and gameplay. Yeah. Um, for me, I've never played a Souls game, though it is on my list. I do want to play it when I can get the opportunity to, but I don't want to put myself through so much punishment and frustration and stress and and, and, and tear my hair out, but what is it about this Souls series that, that makes it so so attractive? So for me, like, I don't know, maybe I'm a glutton for punishment or something, but I just love games that are hard. If a game is easy, it loses my interest. If a game is hard, I'm fully engrossed. So I always love harder games. Uh, Souls games hard when you're just beginning they aren't as hard as people make them out to be uh, i'm actually going through a challenge that is very hard at the minute uh, which is a soul level one run for dark souls 3 and uh, i'm using the spear which is actually a fantastic weapon i never used it before i just decided that was the weapon i wanted to use on my sl1 run and that's what i'm doing and uh, i believe it took me 152 deaths to beat 
the boss Pontiff Sullivan with a uh, spear, and I learned how to uh, <laughs> I learned how to parry in that one fight. Like the first fifty deaths or so, I was just dying in seconds because a soul level one. What that is is you're not leveling up. You just stay as a level one character, so your stamina is the same. It's when you start out, your health is the same. Like it, it's just. It is what it is. Even your strength and your dex is all the same. So you don't get any scaling on the weapons. So uh, what you get instead is raw weapons that you can upgrade. So you can upgrade the weapons, but you can't upgrade your stats. Anyway, it, it makes it an interesting challenge run. Very tough, but very, very enjoyable. Uh, sometimes you want to throw the controller across the room when you're on that run, but it is what it is. But uh, yeah, I mean, generally, it's just the difficulty. The difficulty is hugely appealing to me i mean I, I really like the world as well uh and if i was to give my favorites i mean dark souls one is great but dark souls three took everything that one did and just refined it like tenfold so it's a toss-up for me of what my favorite is between demon souls and dark souls three and uh i'm looking forward to the remake of demon souls because what i've seen is so much nicer and they've introduced like different mechanics in it like, as you can see in the trailer the character can now hop over the walls like he can literally vault over a wall and drop down a floor and i think you know it's a small thing but it's amazing um i do have one thing i'm a little bit i don't know a little bit particular about it's not a huge issue but it's just something i noticed and that was i feel they like FromSoft still need to work on hit detection or at least deflection animation. Because when uh, the Armored Knight dude being hit got his shield up, but he only like gently reacts. It doesn't seem like there's much of an impact. And I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe that's just because he's up against other human-sized creatures, you know, zombies, whatever, the undead. But when you go up against that big fat boss again it was in the original but like it's a little well a big fat gray demony thing and it hits you with its gigantic axe the character reacts in exactly the same way as if he's just been poked by a spear like there's just not enough reaction if you're being hit with something like that i would have loved the reactions to be like over the top like it throws you backwards because this thing like 15 20 foot tall has just whacked you full on with like a hammer or an axe or whatever i feel there could be some work done there but from the look of things there was still you know it's still not finalized so they are still heavily at work on it um it was really nice to see like i can't remember her name was she like the black maiden something like that i don't think you've played it but the equivalent of the shrine maiden um she like the, the one in demon souls was always my favorite and she looks so good in this new remake and yeah i can't wait like the, the gothic setting i know a lot of people compare it to berserk which is my all-time favorite manga and anime let's not mention the 2016 or 2017 one but you know demon souls and dark souls is said to take a lot of inspiration from berserk some people even say oh yeah it's it's practically berserk it's not like i love them both but they are very different it's just i appreciate the fact that from soft like berserk enough that they do take some inspiration from the series and uh yeah i guess it's all just part of the appeal the difficulty the medieval setting the fact that it's dark dark fantasy is my ultimate genre i love it and if we can get some you know just slightly jumping topic if we can get oko taro on board who is behind near near automata um to do a very very dark final fantasy i would be fully on board with that because let's face it he does a lot of sad stories he's always kind of putting life into perspective for his storytelling and there's a lot of despair and sadness if we could get a dark final fantasy like that that'd be fantastic like you know same with demon souls like dark fantasy is just my favorite genre in anything and that's why it appeals to me so much. And the gameplay is just it's pretty fun. You would, you like class, would you class Shadow yeah, of Mordor as a dark fantasy game? Yeah, definitely. So I would say 
it's more leaning towards typical fantasy, but because of how brutal it is and just how dark the setting in that game is, it creeps into the border of dark fantasy and Shadow of Mordor is a great game. I love it. I'm currently playing through it. It's it's amazing. It's what it's one of the coolest games that I've missed out on. It, it, it had an original release date of 2014 and I skipped out on it because I didn't exactly know what the hell it was. I just knew it was oh, a Lord of the Rings game. Well. And, and yeah. uh yeah, I'm I missed out on such a great game and I'm enjoying it now, playing through it, enjoying all the this, this tactical type of different dark fantasy game. I love the storytelling, I love the characters, I love the villains, and I love the overall game design. It feels very Assassin's Creed to me. Um yeah, early uh, early Assassin's Creed, because I know Ubisoft probably would have taken reference uh for their future games, but the game is just it's so good. I would recommend you play it if you haven't got the chance to. I, I believe it's free on the Xbox Game Pass. It is uh, relatively cheap on the PlayStation 4, yeah. so you can pick it up at secondhand shops or even digitally. I'm sure there's an offer going on. But speaking of a collection, PlayStation Plus collection for PS5 has a, co- a set of games that you can play on day one if you have the PlayStation Plus. It's not the Xbox Game Pass. It's more of a, like a recollection of the best PlayStation Plus games that you may have missed out on. And um, well, I'm slightly gutted about that at the minute as well. How comes? It's just like I, I just recently because I've always wanted to get it, and I saw mixed reviews. But I just recently got Days Gone, and it's in that pass. And I'm like, oh, I needed was PlayStation Plus on PS5, and I could have played it for free. But you know, I bought it for twenty quid. It's fine. <laughs> It's 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 uh, I mean that's that's what live services are nowadays. You can take Destiny for a good example. Um, if you buy an if you buy the base game or an expansion, a few years later it will become free because the value of that said product live service it, it, it becomes yeah. obsolete. So um, the fact that they have this live service and the fact that they have Days Gone is a big kick in the face to a lot of people who bought it day one. But with game value, if it does decrease, then it does eventually become free unless. Um, they do a, a, a their own Xbox Game Pass, which I don't, I don't see Sony doing. But to close off today's episode that we've been talking about, the PlayStation Showcase, we were going to go into detail about the campaign uh, for the PlayStation 5. And um, I just wanted to touch up on, because this pandemic is stopping the PlayStation uh, family from doing any live events or demos or hands-on because of the whole social distancing and with cases rising again, I just wanted to... One, remember that you must stay safe. Wear a mask, please. It doesn't matter if you are indoors playing a game. When you do go outside, please be courteous towards other people, other gamers as well. If you want to get your own custom mask, please use the internet to get yourself one. But please, I, I just for the sake of being able to go back out and enjoy video games live um, as an experience, as a, as a show, or even the fact that I get to relax in London has a loading bar. Shout out loading guys. Love you guys so much, even though I haven't been in years. <laughs> great bar, um, great bar. <laughs> I I, I want to go back there soon. And the fact that we're not able to because they, they, they're not able to reopen because it's not safe to do so, it sucks. Major, major, major. Well, as we won't see any live events... The online, the online directive of Sony is gonna it's gonna shift. I think with 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 the whole video on demand direct service to gamers worldwide with these small little segments. Nintendo started this first with the Nintendo Directs, and because this coronavirus pandemic has started, uh, I think these small little showcases, these uh, PlayStation showcase, this uh, PlayStation, um, what's next? Uh, the Xbox showcase events. What, what yeah, Jeff we've got Keighley, TGS coming up as well. Yeah, what Jeff Keighley was doing with the with the Gamescom opening night live. Uh, I I I, I want to see more of this without sacrificing our live events. So Sony, your campaign. I w- I want you guys to use social media as 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 just go go ballistic, man. Just start showing us more gameplay demos. Start showing us more hands on from your side. Start showing us everything there is. To the PlayStation 5. I want I want to see actual in-depth guides to how the frames are working. I hope coverage gets beyond what we're currently seeing. Uh I think we're just gonna have to wait until I'd say next month when um 
they're ready to show off a lot more. I think they're going to do another showcase. They're going to do maybe two showcases before they uh, they wrap up and they say that the PlayStation 5 is launching. But I think they're going to continue until we're at a safe point in, in this wicked world of irregularities of <laughs> this pandemic. Yeah. Whatever, I mean, let's get... whatever happens next, we are going to be sticking to this uh, direct service of getting our games through live streams uh, for the foreseeable future. Nick, your thoughts before we wrap up tonight? Yeah, so let's get some dev diaries coming out for God of War oh, hell yeah. number yes. two. God of War 2. Have some dev diaries. I want to see the updates. I want to see the artwork. I want to see the progress. It would be amazing. So, big hint there. Come on, Sony, make it happen. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, if we're, we're wrapping up here, well, you know, we've, we've seen a lot. I was actually surprised to see Harry Potter as well, but, uh, you know, better late than never, I suppose. It looks pretty cool. But my game that I am most, most looking forward to at the minute, I think it would be the most fun, and I love Arcane, is Deathloop. I think it looks so good. I cannot wait for that. Like, every time you die, it looks like you go to the very start of the level. I'm hoping the start of the game, just because, again, I like hard games. That would be hilarious. Like, proper old-school Pac-Man, you can get to level 999 or whatever goes up to i think it's infinite and then if you die you go right back to the beginning there's no saves i kind of like that idea with Deathloop. don't know if they implement it but just the fact you die and then you restart the entire level from what it looks like it, it just looks so good and the gameplay looks amazing so i mean fans leave us a comment like what what are you looking forward to the most is it literally just devil may cry 5 special edition for you maybe resident evil 8 Maybe none of the above. Maybe it's Five Nights at Freddy's on PS5. Who knows? But uh, Ray, what do you think? Or maybe it's you're going to be me and just be like, I, I love Ratchet and Clank to my heart, to my soul. I was passionate about Ratchet and Clank releasing on the PlayStation 4, even though it didn't even get enough coverage. Nobody was even interested in, oh, they were like, oh, well, Ratchet and Clank re reimagining remake. Oh, looks cool, but I think I'll pass. But this Rift Apart game, it's it's gonna it's gonna embody kids it's gonna embody adults it's gonna embody ratchet and clank fans i cannot wait to pick up a playstation 5 and play this game and just enjoy another insomniac gem out of the ratchet and clank series but with my most wanted game on the playstation 5 family um in terms of what i really want to test out really want to play really want to see is cyberpunk 2077's capabilities on how it can handle with xbox series x and the playstation 5 i know i'm going to pick that up for the playstation 5 myself because i love i love the playstation 4 i'm going to stick with the playstation 5 so when i when i when i put the uh apparently there's not going to be a ps5 version of cyberpunk i think nick uh i believe there is if there I, is I think is was... it coming out on release date <laughs> oh i don't know about that but from what i've been reading and seeing uh I think there was some talk about there not potentially being a free upgrade uh, from PS4 to PS5 on the version. Is this specifically just for Cyberpunk? I will need to check it out, but I am 99% certain it's coming out on PS5. It would, wouldn't make sense not to, to be fair. Yeah, um, it's, it is so, CD Projekt Red as well. Yeah, it is, yeah. But, uh, that's why I'm a bit unsure, because CD Projekt Red... They're pretty de decent. They're a decent studio. They're pretty fair. Uh, so I'm I'm not sure. If if any game studio was to give a free upgrade, it would be CD Projekt Red. So I'm a bit yeah. on the fence. But yeah, I, I, I just don't know for certain. So when we do a talk eventually on Cyberpunk before it comes out, which you know, we'll probably do soon, um, we can go into all of this then. We can get all of the facts checked. We can send it out to all of you guys. And, uh, yeah, we have a lot more information then. But, I mean, at the minute, yeah, to my knowledge, we're going to get it on PS4. We're going to get it on PS5. We're going to get it on PC. We're going to get it on Xbox, probably Series S, Series X as well. Um, it's going to be a good game. And also, a one purchase for me because Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thank you so much, uh, listeners, that 
if you've made it this far, I appreciate the the fact that you're just sticking with me and and Nick today, and just for us talking about the PlayStation Five and how excited we are for the consoles. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can catch us at the Untold Culture. We are on Discord. All you got to do is search Untold Culture. Um, if you have any ideas you want us to do an episode about, maybe we can do one specifically with Resident Evil. Me and Nick are planning a Final Fantasy one eventually soon, so we'll get that for yeah. you guys. If you have any ideas, do drop us a comment or even a message on Instagram or Facebook. This has been my special guest today. As always, he goes by Captain Cortez. I call him Nick. It's been a pleasure, dude. And I have been lights a bit, as always, and this has been Untold Culture. We hope you enjoy this PlayStation 5 Showcase uh, reaction podcast episode where we uh, we just broke down what we thought about games like Resident Evil Village and Final Fantasy 16 and the hardware. We'll be back on the mic again talking about the Bethesda acquisition because uh, we want to be able to break that down. So you're going to see another episode very soon. We hope you come with us on our journey through these laid-back conversations through video games. Until next time, we'll see you soon. Take care.